From Equality Arizona, you're listening to the Arizona Equals Conversation. I'm Gene Woodbury. I'm the Interim Executive Director for Equality Arizona and the host of this podcast. Each week on the show, I interview a queer person about the map of their life and the paths they've taken through it. Today, I'm really excited to release this interview with National Book Award finalist Sonora Reyes, author of The Lesbiana's Guide to Catholic School. I was actually introduced to Sonora through a previous guest on the podcast, Jesse, one of the co-owners of Brick Road Coffee in Tempe. And I love how that really captures the spirit of the show. You know, as we add more and more stories to the project, it's really rewarding to see how those stories connect to each other and the picture that paints of Arizona. I absolutely loved my time with Sonora and the conversation we got to have. We covered some really interesting topics like online community, processing trauma through writing fiction, representations of autism, and I hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. But just like this conversation is mostly spoiler-free for Sonora's novel, I'm going to make this intro pretty much spoiler-free for the conversation. So let's just jump into it. Okay, hi, I'm Sonora Reyes. I am an author of the book, The Lesbianas Guide to Catholic School. I use they, them pronouns. Um, yeah. All right, thank <laughs> Sorry, you. Sorry, that was a horrible yeah. introduction. No, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. <laughs> I'm so bad at intros. <laughs> I'm like, what do I say? Yeah, no, I, I always... Um... I always struggle to know how to talk about myself. Yeah, it's so. hard. Yeah. <laughs> Which is silly because it's like, oh, I have to do it all the time now. And I still haven't gotten the hang of it. <laughs> well, so anyway, it's pretty informal. But cool. thanks for sitting down with me and talking. I bought your book oh. and I read your book and I really loved it. Oh. It took me like 60 pages to really figure out where it was going. I was like, uh-huh. this is interesting. Uh-huh. And then I got into it and I was like, oh, this is actually really fascinating. Oh. And one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is, you know, a lot of the book is about levels of being out and what it means to come out and what mm-hmm. it's like to be outed. Mm-hmm. And kind of one of the central tensions, at least in the way I read the book, is between this character Bo, who's out, mm-hmm. and then the main character, who is not out, and they go to the same school, and there's this tension of, like, I'm not even going to tell Bo that I'm gay. And I wondered, like, is this something that you have experience with? It's, like, it's a really nuanced conversation about being out, where it's, like, well, why wouldn't she just come out to this person and have this safe relationship? And that's a big part of what the book is about. Yeah. But I, I really found myself thinking, oh, this is this is unique. This is different. Yeah, and I think that the reason why I chose to have Yami be so hesitant to come out um, is because I really wanted to tell a story where when she comes out, she's fully ready and Uh, she's fully, like, embraced herself by that point because the first time she came out, she wasn't. And when she came out to Bianca and then Bianca outed her, at her old school. So if that's not really a spoiler, it's in like the first yeah. part of the book, like the first 
page, I think. I think um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so since she experienced that, I wanted to give her kind of both like options. So she had her coming out experience taken from her. And then Mm -hmm. the next time she gets to take it into her own hands and do it the way she wants to do it. And even if she has this perfect situation where she, one of her best friends is gay and out and, and her gay friends, parents are very supportive of her friend. And so she knows that like her friend group would be supportive and she knows that like the same situation wouldn't happen again. But then in my opinion, I don't think you need to have like a reason to not be ready. If that makes sense. I agree. Yeah. So like she just wasn't yet and it just took a little bit for her to like, she had to kind of dip her toes in a little bit and then find her groove and eventually figure out who she was and figure out, when she was ready, so. I remember at one point she's talking with another character. I don't want to spoil things, but there's another character who we find out is bisexual, Mm -hmm. and she's saying this thing where it's about, look, I'm out to this person, I'm out to this person. Just because I'm not, like, officially out to everyone, does that mean I'm hiding? Yeah. And does it mean I'm not out unless I go to every single person and tell them one by one (laughs) that, you know, I'm gay? And I feel like that's something I've heard a lot of people talk about in terms of being out. It's like, well, you're constantly coming out. Yeah. It's not like it becomes a, a like a name tag that's stuck to you. How do you think about that like in your in your own life in terms of being out and Yeah, so I think that I'm at the point where I'm very ready to be out, like, you mm-hmm. know, writing gay books and yeah. like <laughs> Um so I do whatever I can these days to like actually show people that I'm like queer in some mm-hmm. way. Like, you know, I cut my hair. I like, I don't know. I feel like I, I want to like wear clothes that make me feel comfortable. I want yeah. to like hang out in very queer spaces and just like be around people who I feel comfortable with. And I kind of do. So there's a conversation in the book. Um, where Bo is saying that, like, she's, like, Schrodinger's gay, right? Where she, like, always has to scream about being gay and Chinese for, like, anyone to, like, actually see her. And I totally feel that, like, myself. Like, I'm, like, I feel like I just... I But I'm past the point where I'm feeling like I have to, and I'm at the point now where I'm, like, I want to. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know? Like, I'm just, like, I'm just always shouting about it (laughs) because I, like, feel ready to but like it took me a long time to get there and it took me like a really long time to feel like I was ready to like actually do it of my own volition instead of because I felt like I was supposed to right and in the course of that journey I mean what was the thing was it you know you mentioned spending time in really specifically queer spaces and around people is that what enabled that or was it just time I think just time because Mm -hmm. I was in kind of a unique situation where, like, I've talked about this before, where, like, I am, I so I wrote The Lesbiana's Guide to Catholic School. It's about a lesbian cis girl. I am not cis or a girl or a lesbian, and I used to wear that hat. Like, her experience is what I experienced in high school. 
So I still feel like that's my experience because I very much thought that that was me for a very long time. Oh, yeah. Um, And so I have worn many hats (laughs) in my life. And I think you're going to see like a lot of different books that like showcase those different experiences because I want to explore like all of who I am and who I was and who I have been. Yeah. Just so you know, process some trauma. And (laughs) um, I feel like. That's my brand now is just processing trauma through my books. (laughs) Um, But in a like hopeful way, I hope in a way that feels happy at the end. Something I haven't gotten to talk about very much with other authors is, and you, you know, you bring up this idea of processing trauma through your books. There's a unique relationship, right? Between like an author and a reader Mm -hmm. or the audience in general, where you can say these things and it's not like someone's looking at you while you're saying them but then at the same time like I bought your book on a shelf at Changing Hands and it had like a staff recommendation placard it's like a lot of people are reading these and if you put something like that in there do you feel like it's communication and that's what's helpful in terms of processing or is it just writing it down I guess maybe it could be both I think both but I think for me like I can talk about it all day but a lot of the time I don't fully process something until I put it in someone else's story mm. so that I can process it without the fear of like anyone thinking, oh, this is me. Oh, this is what I have to say. This is just like somebody else. <laughs> it's their story. Yeah. And I can put as much of my own experience into it as I want and process it in ways that I don't even necessarily like. Like, I can make this character feel a way about it that I don't feel. And then I can change it and make them feel a different way and make them feel a different way and process it through exploring, like, all the different outcomes that could have happened with a specific experience. So my next book comes out in May. It's called The Luis Ortega Survival Club. Mm -hmm. And it is about a girl named Ariana who, trigger warning for rape, um, she was taken advantage of at a party. And she gets revenge on him with the help of an anonymous pen pal. And so that story is, for me, it's while I never was able to get revenge on anybody, but I processed my trauma through, like, a fantasy. You know what I mean? Where in this fantasy, the bad things still happened, but it didn't stop her from winning in the end. If that makes sense. So, like, I like to process my trauma in ways that feel hopeful in the end and that feel like the trauma still happens. The the bad thing can still be there and you can still experience it, but it doesn't stop you from, like, having a fully happy ending, if that makes sense. Well, and I think I see that in the book I read. Mm -hmm. You know, you start with this really difficult moment where – She's lost her best friend, Mm -hmm. and she's losing her whole community. She's going to somewhere where it's like this double-edged sword of, like, and hide again, but also it's not going to be safe for me if I come out, potentially. So it's this, at the beginning, it's this total point of trauma, I think. Mm -hmm. And then by the end, many, many things have been kind of transformed into something positive. Mm -hmm. And, and so I, I see I see what you're saying in terms of yeah. letting all those things actually exist in a real way, but then yeah. still giving that ending to the stories. Yeah. 
Because I, I feel like for some people, the the fantasy is a life where the trauma never happened, right? right? But for me, that never felt plausible or anything like within my grasp. Like I, I could never like picture myself who who I would be without any of that yeah. because it affected me so deeply. And I would love to picture that. And I feel like that is a fantasy that a lot of people need and is great for it to exist. But I feel like my fantasy is for somebody who is traumatized to get to still win and to get to still have those hopeful, cheerful, joyful moments with their loved ones and themselves and like still fully come into themselves. It reminds me of that hypothetical like thought thing of you know if you could go back into your life and change something what would you change and every time I try to think through that I'm like there's plenty of bad things that have happened but yeah I don't know what it would mean to change yeah those things is that kind of how you feel too I have a lot of really mixed feelings about it Mm. Um, (laughs) because I of course like if I could take away a lot of my trauma I would but at the same time I don't know what that would look like yeah. I don't think I would be recognizable to myself. And that's not to say that, like, it should have happened, you know, because I don't no, think it, not at you all. know, yeah. it, it's, it's something that, of course, I would, I would hope for nothing, like, bad to happen to anyone ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry if that was really loud. Oh. <laughs> no, okay. um, but yeah, so, but I think... Sometimes it feels more productive for me personally to instead of wishing that because it's not something I can ever make happen. And yes, I can try and protect the people around me as much as I can, but Mm -hmm. I can't like I can try to provide like a safe environment for everyone that's in my circle and I can be accepting of everyone that that I come into contact with and I can try to prevent like as much bad things from happening to the people around me as possible, but I can't take it away from anyone who's already experienced it. Right. And I feel like it's nice to get to see people who've already experienced it also thriving in fiction, in my personal experience. (laughs) In fiction and and in real life too. Of course. That's one of the great things about community and queer Mm -hmm. community can be a great space for that. Mm Mm-hmm. I was thinking, okay, going back, looking at our past, I wanted to ask, have you been in Arizona your whole life? Yeah, most of my life. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and this book is set in Arizona. And mm-hmm. so whenever I whenever I talk to someone who has grown up in Arizona and writes about, like, school in Arizona, I'm uh-huh. always curious, like, yeah. what was that like for you? Did you go to a yeah. similar school? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I won't say the name of the school, but it's very thinly veiled. Uh-huh. Um, it's if you know the school, you like I, just to show you how much I didn't even try to hide what school I went to in this book. People came up to me at my book launch was like, "Did you go to like blah 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 school?" Oh. Like, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "It's kind of funny." So like. Yeah, I people knew. <laughs> yeah. Like people who went to the school would recognize the school. And I think, you know, in the in the book it's it's pretty modern. It's a relatively mm-hmm. contemporary setting. Mm-hmm. When you had to update that, 
I mean, there's there's a gay kid being very vocal in the classroom. I think mm-hmm. going back to when I was in high school, that would have been very different. Mm-hmm. I think, did you have to take some time to think through, like, what was it like when I was a student? And what is it like for students now? And then factor that in? Um, so, yeah, I did. Um, I do think that I... <laughs> okay, so... A lot of people think that I would have self-inserted myself into Yami's character. Mm. I kind of did it with Bo. Oh, yeah. So I was the kid that was like, here's my presentation on abortion. And oh, so you really were doing that. Yeah, I was doing that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I was very outspoken. Like, I, I don't remember. So I came out at some point. When I went there, like I came out at church camp. Um, <laughs> not I gotta a good hear that decision. story. Oh my god! I gotta hear that story. <laughs> um, do you want me to tell it like here? Like yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, it was at church camp, and it was like you know how they separate the girls and the boys, and of they course, give them yeah. their different lessons on gender and like how you're supposed to act. And so I was in the girl group, and like. We had to learn about, you know, our role in a relationship with a man and, like, our role in society and all of that. And it was, you know, just toxic toxic bullshit. But at the... Oh, sorry, can I cuss? That's fine, yeah. <laughs> it was super toxic. But because it was at church camp and because, you know, there is this feeling of camaraderie at like a camp like that when you're staying the night with these people and you're like praying together and you're like experiencing this oh live music it's so moving Mm -hmm. and everyone's crying and and we're all like experiencing this together and like all these emotions like it's a very emotional time yeah um so i felt very close to these people and we all went around in a circle and we were sharing our experience with i don't remember what the prompt was but it had to have been something like what's your experience with you know do you struggle with these gender roles or something like that and i was like i like girls (laughs) like in a circle yeah it was like all the all the girls in there and it was just silent (laughs) like nobody said anything which was very awkward but i did have a couple of people come out to me after that who were there like, oh yeah, so, like, at like camp. secretly, yeah, I can't. Like, so one of the counselors came up to me afterwards, like called me aside and was like, "I'm also gay," oh, wow. and I was like, "Oh wow." <laughs> um, so yeah, um, that was an interesting experience. I would not recommend to ever come out during church camp, <laughs> especially a church camp that is preaching the things that mine was. Um, right. <laughs> you know, if you have an accepting church, then it's a different story, sure, but. Mine was not. <laughs> I think those interactions are really interesting where you've come out and then all of a sudden people start to come out to you. Mm-hmm. Even people who are like authority figures and you're like mm-hmm. kid. Yeah. And those relationships sometimes end up being really interesting. Oh, it's yeah. like, oh, we had whatever friendship we had before and now I know this thing about you, but I have a very different relationship to it than you do because you've really only told me. Mm-hmm. And I've just told everyone. Yeah. How did that end up going? How did those things continue? So we kept in touch um, for a while. Um, I was probably 
14 at the time and mm. we kept in touch until like we I think we still have each other on Instagram like oh, nice. <laughs> like um yeah um I felt grateful that she told me because I was feeling really alone like mm-hmm. when it happened because I was feeling like oh my gosh like why did I just do this <laughs> but I think it didn't surprise anyone because I also was like it was before confession. I was like telling the priest, like, why should gay people have to confess being gay? And, oh, yeah. you know, and I was like, it doesn't make sense. I was like, can you explain to me? And so, like, I think a lot of people were like, like looking at me like, mm, <laughs> maybe. something going on here. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know that they were surprised fully, but I don't think mm. they were expecting me to say it out loud. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, even like confession in general, sometimes historically it's about confession to your peers instead of just yeah in confidence so that's essentially what you're doing (laughs) but yeah those relationships are so interesting i also came out in a church setting oh really not like at church but very publicly to people in my Mm -hmm. church and uh had those interactions of like oh here's this person who's like a mentor and now they're coming out to me Mm -hmm. and here's just like kind of a just a few, not a ton of people, but a few people coming out to me and then not actually being out mm-hmm. afterward. Yeah. And it really can be a special relationship, but it can also kind of hold you back in mm-hmm. some ways because they're processing it in a really different way than, than you are. For I sure. Think. Yeah. And I think that what helped me then was um, I wasn't the only openly gay person okay yeah um at the school there were i was a freshman there were two seniors um who were together and i never met them i never talked to them but like they were my heroes (laughs) um so like i had like kind of i don't know if i would call them role models but like they were my like i i had them a little bit on a pedestal like i was like oh they're out they're happy like la 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 and then I had, like, other people who were, like, so they were, like, ahead of me in my journey, right, of, right. of coming out. And then there was people who were behind me, like, who hadn't come out of church camp yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, I think that it was important to me to be able to see that I wasn't the only one, like, in any time of that, even if it felt like I was, especially because there were none of my peers were. But yeah. And, I mean, I later found out some of them were, like... Of course. You yeah. know, of course, like, statistically speaking, it couldn't have just uh-huh. been me. <laughs> um, like, it definitely is. Um, there's going to be more. <laughs> yep. But, yeah, so. Did you find yourself turning into those role models for other people? Did you do that consciously? Like, I'm going to be very out as a way to kind of message to other people? So I don't think I... I, so I realized, I I kind of had, like, a bisexual awakening in high school, like, so I only went to Catholic school for my freshman year, Mm. um, and then I, you know, had a lot of (laughs) traumatic experiences, and I begged my parents to send me to public school, they finally did, so then when I was in public school, I realized, like, oh, I don't just like girls, like, (laughs) you know, so I, then I kind of had, like, a little bit of a it was it was weird. I had like a big like I was very vocal about being queer 
Um, I didn't have the term queer at the time. I was just like, oh, I'm gay or, oh, I'm bi. And if I was Mm -hmm. dating a guy, I would say I was straight. (laughs) Um, But if I was dating a girl, I would say I was gay, Mm -hmm. Um, which is not how it works. Not really. (laughs) I wish I could, like, tell my past self, like, don't do that. (laughs) But, like, I was just like, oh, I am, like, whoever I'm dating, that's my sexuality. Like, (laughs) because I was very monogamous. I'm, like, very, like, you know, I'm not anymore, but. (laughs) Yeah, so, like. I don't think I ever consciously tried to be a role model, but I know that I was to some people just because I would talk about it and I wasn't, like, shy about it. And, like, people knew that I was queer. Like, like people who knew me knew. Like, if they Mm -hmm. didn't know me that well, they might not have known, but if they knew me, they probably knew. (laughs) Um, So, like, I think I had some people who, like, came out later in life or, like, who told me that, like, it was helpful, you know, to, like, see somebody else, like, you know, talking about it. Mm-hmm. Even if, like, if I wasn't, like, out yet, it was like, oh, I'm just, like, a super um, enthusiastic ally. <laughs> like, yeah. You know? <laughs> um, the ally to queer pipeline. <laughs> That's real. It is. <laughs> yeah. I really liked your reference earlier to the Schrodinger's gay thing Mm -hmm. that Bo says and being really vocal because that's kind of the only way you have to potentially connect Mm -hmm. your experience to other people. I guess part of the experience for Bo is that she's adopted, so Mm -hmm. she doesn't have a real connection to other Chinese people. Mm -hmm. And I actually really love the way you handled that whole thing with her parents, but... I feel like that can be a thing in general for for people who aren't white the same way it can Mm -hmm. be for people who are queer, especially in a state like Arizona. Mm -hmm. Um, I've talked to a couple um, Asian American people on the podcast and they've Mm -hmm. spoken about like the way it can feel really alienating in Arizona just because of like the geography of Phoenix and the Mm -hmm. way things are separated and you can be isolated a lot of the time. Do you feel like you have those kinds of experiences, too, of that kind of isolation? You did mention, like, you have these really queer-specific spaces to hang out. Yeah, I feel like recently I have started to feel a lot less isolated um, just because I've started to really dive into, like, my heritage and Mm -hmm. my own, like, ancestral, like, practices and stuff like that. So I feel a lot less isolated, even if I'm the only one doing it that I know. It's like, I, (laughs) so I had a psychic reading. It was like from a medium and they were like basically telling me that like my ancestors were there. They were like, oh, they give you permission. Like you're allowed to, it's like, you're not alone. You know what I mean? Like there's, they're there like with you experiencing this. And so that was very confirming for me to like be told that like, and I know this is kind of like a well, no. Topic, it, I mean, it's amazing because I think a lot of the time when I think about okay, am I alone? Mm-hmm. I think about am I around like other people now? But that yeah. that idea of well, what you're saying, I think, yeah. is a really great way to feel not alone. Yeah, definitely. And I feel so much like healing through like my ancestors and through like not even just ancestors, but the people that I know who have passed, like just, Mm. um, I recently got very into like, you know, I'm Mexican. So like 
we do celebrate Day of the Dead, mm-hmm. but my family was never super into it because my grandma was very like very Catholic and like very like traditional like old demonic stuff you know and so like I recently started like reconnecting with stuff like that Mm -hmm. and I feel a lot more um I feel a lot closer to like my ancestors and the dead and like the people around me who are just there all the time that I can't see I feel like they're there and I feel like they you know so at least culturally speaking I feel very um surrounded (laughs) at least now I definitely felt very isolated growing up and because like we're very like I say we're assimilated like my family they'll like my parents speak Spanish like my family all speaks Spanish my grandparents didn't speak any English Mm -hmm. but at the same time we were very assimilated in the sense of like for example if we're at a restaurant and they get our order wrong it's like oh you cannot say anything like you don't you don't make a scene you don't oh, you don't right. cause trouble for people you know like it's very much like you have to stay in your lane kind of thing like so only, like hiding almost not yeah, not hiding almost. But... and it's like oh well it was ingrained in me that like i think maybe i'm not supposed to be seen mm. that much and so i as a teenager rebelled against that like, like <laughs> oh everybody look at me like <laughs> um but yeah so um it's kind of the impulse of an author I yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i i've definitely felt like both extremes of that that makes sense yeah. what are some of the ways you have found queer community I always will tell people, like, it took me a while. Mm-hmm. I, I've lived here my whole life, and I was still just like, okay, I'm out. Yeah. Where is everyone? I don't know. Yeah, I think at first it was online. Mm-hmm. That was where I learned the words to describe myself. That was where I found other people like me who were, like, the communities that I was in online, they were very very queer like I, I would join yeah. spaces like that like that and back then it was like Facebook groups you know like oh right yeah. it was like queer feminists or like it was it was um like a lot of intersectional groups and like so I knew a lot of queer people from that and a lot of activists and so they gave me kind of the tools to figure out who I was and to say like that was when I like figured out like oh I am trans I'm non-binary like this makes sense this fits more than like any other label that I've ever like found I was like oh there are words to describe this like this is so cool so online was definitely a big um and then like you know tumblr and twitter like (laughs) like I definitely found community there and then like it wasn't until I didn't really find, like, I found, like, little little communities of support in person, but not queer communities. Um, There's a distinction there. Yeah, 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 like, I I was in, you know, like, I went to college town where, like, everyone there, like, got so close and we, like, loved each other and stuff, you know, but it wasn't a queer community. It was, like, a community of people who were accepting. Oh, right. But it wasn't, like, the same as, like, being surrounded by other queer people and, like, Um, so it wasn't until like in person, honestly, until very recently because I started going to Brick Road, um, which is a like queer owned coffee shop for anyone who doesn't know. And like, 
there's just like the flags everywhere and like I started going like right before June which was when they like put up all that's the flags. when they really got yeah, into they, it. and then yeah. they had cookies with all the flags and everything and I was like oh my god like this is like the norm here and like this is really awesome <laughs> and so like I found community there and then from there I found Queer Arizona oh, yeah. um because they meet at brick road sometimes and so i found that other group and so i feel like that's all really east valley yeah centric. have you been an east valley person most i'm of your east life? valley yeah okay, so yeah so it, it's like where i am so it it's been really helpful to find that and then i know one in ten is like for youth yeah um so i kind of like started learning a little bit more about them and like it's not my community but like i want to be like you know i used them as like my pre-order incentive was like you know you buy a book a dollar goes to one in town like that kind of thing i'm like so it's just like there are things there are communities out there and they're like everywhere it's just hard to find if you don't already know where to look which sucks (laughs) you know yeah it's true it's not like the people don't exist yeah but it's i think especially in the east valley it can be really hard to find Mm -hmm. and for a lot of people i talk to it's like yeah, within the past year, because of a group like Queer Arizona, or because of just like a literal coffee shop, Brick yeah. Road, like yeah. now there's this connection for people. Yeah. And it's it's really remarkable, I think, that it can be that specific, but then really meaningful. You know, before we wrap up, is there anything that you can share to like promote your work if people want to find your book, if people want to keep up to date with anything else coming out? Yeah, so I am, uh, my website is sonorareyes.com, S-O-N-O-R-A-R-E-Y-E-S.com. Um, you can find pretty much everything on there. My book is sold, uh, The Lesbiana's Guide to Catholic School is sold anywhere books are sold, so you can find it online anywhere or at Barnes & Noble and local bookstores. You can always request it there if it's not already there. And pre-order my second book which comes out in may i'm super excited i hope that you like it (laughs) um and yeah you can find me on twitter is sonora reyes tumblr and tumblr is sonora dash reyes instagram is sonora dot reyes and so is tiktok but i don't really use tiktok so i don't know why i even mentioned it (laughs) i have like one video (laughs) oh my god but you mentioned pre-orders for your book Mm -hmm. i read the little description for your book it sounds really fascinating i mean what you're telling me earlier but it's about an autistic character Mm -hmm. i'm autistic and so i was like ah this is interesting (laughs) oh cool yeah um so is that why you decided to write an autistic character specifically also it it seems like the character is um non-verbal is that she has selective mutism um so she is semi-verbal okay um so at school she doesn't talk and most people think she's completely nonverbal, but it's just she has selective mutism. She only mm-hmm. talks when she feels fully comfortable and when she's not stressed out. Which is like a I don't want to say symptom. It is a trait of autist for some autistic people. Yeah, um, it can be. Um so like I wanted to write about that because I was selectively mute for a lot of my life until like middle school, high school ish. But it, even in middle school it was like on and off. And then high school was on enough, but yeah. So I wanted to write that experience. I wanted to like, I realized I was like, there are not a lot of books out there with like 
nonverbal or semi-verbal characters or even autistic characters in general. Right. I did feel like I had to put myself into a little bit of a box with the lesbianos guy just because I was like, I don't think people are ready for all of what I am, oh, right. all yeah. my intersections in a character. <laughs> and they're still not ready. And I one day would love to write a character who is, you know, autistic and uh, Mexican and a quarter Chinese and uh, has walks with a cane and has schizoaffective disorder, so bipolar and schizophrenia and, did I already say autistic, and Mm -hmm. ADHD and everything that I have and everything that I am, I do not think publishing is ready for it. So I am slowly going to, like, trickle those things in one book at a time. Well, now I'm realizing (laughs) you you divided that up amongst most of the characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In Let's Be Honest Kind. Yeah, I do have other characters that I explore those things through. Um, I just don't think publishing is going to accept a book with, like, all of that in one character, which is really sad because, like, people like that exist. Like, I'm right here. Exactly. Um, But I'm slowly trying to break that mold, like, one book at a time and see if they'll eventually yeah. just, they just won't even notice one day. <laughs> like, it'll be all eventually, of it. Eventually, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm 10 books and it's like, we're there. <laughs> and I think partly what that's just escaping the trap of, like own voices Mm -hmm. like it has to be representation yeah like you're just writing characters it's not yeah exactly yeah i would like to write a super 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 intersectional character one day but for now i have like characters where i explore like one or two things through Mm -hmm. each well i'm really excited to read this i mean i record a podcast i'm talking all the time it's like my whole job basically Mm -hmm. is to speak and communicate but I, I do also have that experience sometimes, especially in really stressful situations where it's just gone. Yeah. I don't have that mm-hmm. anymore. And I don't think people really understand yeah. what that's like yeah. at all. I mean, I don't have a real full picture of it except from my own experience. Yeah. But usually when it's discussed or when I try to Google things about it, it's parents it's talking usually, about their kids yeah. as, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not even really people, but yeah. just here's this kid I have to take care of. Yeah. I found a lot of good stuff with the actually autistic hashtag mm-hmm. on Tumblr specifically. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I just, that's where I figured out I was autistic and it should have been so obvious, but it wasn't because my parents don't believe in, or at least they didn't believe in like, you know, therapy or psychiatrists or oh, anything yeah. like that when I was a kid. So I just never got diagnosed as a kid. Yeah, sorry. I know we were trying to wrap up. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, this is fascinating. But yeah, no, thanks for talking with me about that and talking about all these things with me. I think yeah, of course. people just don't get to hear about the autistic experience yeah. from hashtag actually autistic Yeah, people. yeah. So I, I'm really glad we were able to talk about that. Yes. So hopefully, hopefully I can continue writing autistic characters. I do have like other books that I plan to write with autistic characters too. So I'm like really excited. Oh, that'll be great. I'm excited. Well, thanks for talking with me. Good luck with everything. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Sonora for being my guest on the podcast. If you'd like to read their book, you can find it wherever books are sold. And if you'd like to listen to past episodes of the podcast, you can find the entire archive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or our own website at equalityarizona.org slash stories. And when you're there, you can sign up to add your own story. I'd love to talk with you. With the midterm elections behind us, it's time to start looking ahead to the 2023 legislative session. 
And if you want to get involved as an advocate, we have a meeting this Saturday at the Tempe Public Library. This is our first civic advocacy jam, which we're going to be doing monthly from now on. This is a really important moment, and we need you on our team. So I'd love to see you there. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you again next week.